Welcome to episode 8 of Something Inventive. Just put something like this. Al and I are joined by copywriter and blogger Catherine Avery as we discuss who should write your website's copy and what you need to include to make it search engine friendly. Good morning, everyone. We've got a guest on our show this morning. Not only do we have the lovely Al, but we have Catherine Avery as well copywriter at Pippin, because we've got a special topic where we're talking a lot about client expectations and content, but we'll get on to that. How is everyone today? Yeah, not I'm really cold. well, thank you. Yeah, well, yeah, it is, yeah, not so cold today, so it's much nicer. I'm a little bit tired and glad it's Friday, but yeah, yeah basically, all good. Good. Have you been up to anything interesting, Catherine? What have you been up to recently? I was out last night in Birmingham at a networking meeting uh, talking to professionals who work in change management. So they go into business, turn businesses around. And it's always a, a really interesting evening. And, mm. and last yesterday there was a, the speaker was somebody who goes into organisations and facilitates the change that's not at board level. It's the, it's the, the change throughout the organisation. So working with the people kind of actually doing the work rather than sitting at director or board level. So it was, yeah, it was a really interesting evening. Sounds cool. Yeah, I, I like, um, I think we were talking about this the other day, which networking events we like. And I think, yeah. I think it is important to, to really like networking events. So it's not just, you're not just going for a reason to market your company and, and get better known. But I, I feel you have to like the people at the event and enjoy it almost as if it's a personal yeah. event. Yeah, no, absolutely. I always just kind of go and actually there'll be really interesting people there and we'll just have some nice nice chats or whatever happens. You'll have a nice evening talking to people. And so, yeah, I probably have the balance far too far the other way towards just going and having a nice time and having a <laughs> no, chat. No, I think that's how it should be. That sounds good. Yeah, building up relationships. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, I'll, I'll get you to tell us a little bit more about um, your company and, and Pippin later. Mm-hmm. Al, um, what have you been yes. up to? Um, I've been working very hard on quite a few different uh, concurrent website projects. So yeah, I've been um, very busy. Yes, yes. We don't normally tend to try to triple stack projects, but that's what that's how it's happened. So I'm very much kind of spinning lots of plates at the moment and getting things ready for deadlines. So I've been um, up quite late a lot, doing lots of CSS styling, which is, yeah, that's my life right now. <laughs> but that's it's okay. Good fun. <laughs> it's good fun. It can be good fun, yes. Yeah, you have been working very hard, to be fair. Like a lot of websites, we, we do try and stick to to deadlines where possible but things get added by the client we have other ideas that come up as part of the process and it just so happens christmas is a nice deadline for a lot of people so all of those trains come shunting up at once it is a strange arbitrary date which um has two effects on people either they want everything before christmas for some reason so maybe they can enjoy christmas day (laughs) more (laughs) knowing that this thing is done or they'll be like, no, oh, I can't cope with anything else before Christmas. I need to do it in the new year. So you get this kind yeah. of new year sort of thing. So, yeah, but we seem to have picked up all the pre-Christmas people this year. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the same with summer as well, isn't it? A lot of people starting around July time, people are pushing off work until September. And it's just, yeah. you, you, yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. point really doing anything unless you're in, in the thick of it anyway at that point. That's true, actually. Yes, you're right. Yeah, no, I'm like, always really aware that the, the, the summer is always really quiet for me. And it took me quite a long time to work out that wasn't me. That was just what happens mm-hmm. in the summer. There's two months. Everybody basically takes off for one reason or another. It's kind of back to school in September and everybody gets going ready for Christmas then. So do you use that time? Are you one of those people who are very um, good about using that spare time to be productive and perhaps reviewing processes or going through a backlog of things that need that perhaps you've been putting off? You would you would like to think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> 
and and now I have spotted the trend. That is the plan for next year: is to say, actually, rather than you know, do it in the summer when it's quiet, and then feel rather than worrying throughout the summer about what's happening, get on with some work and get yourself kind of organised, ready for September as well. So that is the plan for next year. So far, it's just been sort of nervously twiddling thumbs and worrying that you've done something terrible. No talking to you anymore. It's common. I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts where I mean they've got some bigger businesses, you know, bigger marketing or web agencies, and it's very similar to them. You know, there'll be a period where they're worrying about not getting the work, but it it will always come in. There was a company Uh, in in in, sorry manufacturing. They have that factory fortnight where it's just agreed that everyone sort of shuts down manufacturing for two weeks yep. to stop this kind of overlap of different holidays and things and i wonder if we should do that in the digital <laughs> as well just maybe even up let's extend it to a month let's just for a month in like <laughs> august just don't let's not do anything you know let's just accept that people are away uh, and we're not going to get the content back that we asked for all the photos so let's just not let's just not let's, book it in. let's do it for next 2017 let's put that hole in the calendar right now August isn't happening. No, that's a good idea. Let's do it. We do that for Christmas, but to be, it's it's a lot easier because everyone else is off at that point. Um, yeah, let's do that. Let's look at that. Maybe not a month. That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> so what was I up to last week? Uh, I went to Integrated Live, which is a marketing show over in London. Now I don't go to many of these shows. I have been to a few with Al over in uh, where was it? Newport. Hardest? Newport. Yeah. I should know. Can you forget? But they tend to be. They were good, but they were a bit more techy, a bit more um, geeky programming side of um, web. Yeah. This one was a lot more about the marketing, um, social media, storytelling. It was really good, actually. It's so good. In fact, I took lots of notes, which I've I've written up and put on our blog. Uh, it's uh, I think it's the latest one at the moment. The best of integrated live. But there were some really good people, uh, really good speakers. Uh, one of the best, better ones was this guy, Ed uh, Woodcock. He was talking about storytelling in content. And I think a lot of people are trying to demonstrate that you should have a story, a thread throughout your written content or even your design work so that yeah. people are engaged more. But I think that's quite easy to say. He was actually giving some good demonstrations about what you should actually write and how you could structure something. And he didn't show the video, but as part of me writing up the notes, I looked up one of the people he was talking about. I can't remember the name, but if you look on the blog, you'll see it. And it's a video to talking about the storytelling curve. And it's a very funny video produced quite a while ago, but it's still so relevant today Mm. for pretty much any film, TV program or well-written blog post probably. But it was really good. It was it was awesome time. Went up there with um, Jack McCautry, uh, met mm-hmm. him up there, who's on a couple of months back. And um, yeah, we just basically listened to everything and absorbed. You could call it our CPD for the year. Yeah, I went to a, a direct marketing association event a couple of weeks ago in London, specifically for copywriters. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's just really great to sort of take time out of the business and, and kind of open up your mind again and stop being so focused on the day-to-day tasks and just sort of listen to the the interesting things that are going on in the field and and it was really it was a really it was just an afternoon but I came back really kind of you know buzzing with possibilities and and and, yeah things that I'd heard. Do you get a feeling though that oh I should be doing more of that (laughs) that it's really good I mean you get inspired by some great speakers and interesting stuff that they're saying but then you there's a little bit of you that goes oh, we should be doing that, or why aren't we doing that, or, you know, they're better than me. Do you, do you feel that? Because I, I do a little bit when you go along to these things. Um, it's yeah, slightly overwhelming. Definitely. Yeah, yeah they, and they're <laughs> all working with these, these huge companies and these huge names. You think, crikey, what, you know, where have I gone wrong here? <laughs> I know. But yet what we do, we do some great stuff. And I know you do yeah. some great stuff. So it's um, we shouldn't be ashamed of it. It's just you do feel that sometimes. Maybe they're just better at selling definitely. the idea of it. And, 
<laughs> I think that's almost certainly true, is that they're probably going through exactly the same doubts as we are. It's just they hide it better mm. when they're standing up there on the stage. I think there is something about people standing on the stage where you automatically feel they kind of do know more than you and are more like authoritative on something. That, yeah, definitely. That's not always the case, I don't think. But, they, you know, maybe, yes, they're just more confident or that you've know, had a particular experience which has led them to, you know, be able to do a whole talk about it or something. Mm. Yeah. But um, I, I, there's one, I, I know we've been to a few of these talks and you, the same guy sort of goes around all the different the different um, events doing the same kind of talk. And you're like, okay, yeah, I got that right now. <laughs> Did you ever do anything else? Um, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the way to do it, though. You have you have a theme and you have a, um, a, a topic or an idea and you keep banging on that drum. And it's difficult to have good, coherent, fresh ideas all the time. Yeah. I think. So I, I totally understand why, why someone would have one idea and they're going to repeat it around to different presentations. Yeah. Uh, make it's sense. good branding as well, isn't it? Because you become known as the person that gave that talk. So instantly, we, when you're talking with people from different spheres, you can say, oh, I saw this person talking about this and then there's that connection. And people say, yeah, I, I heard that too. I know him for that reason. It makes you more memorable because you're only going on about one theme. Yes. Mm -hmm. No, I think that is good. There's um, a guy that was mentioned by one of the speakers called Simon Sinek, and he, he wasn't there. It'd be good to see him, but he has a video which is called something like Start With Why, mm -hmm. and it's about answering the question why for your customer, so you're delivering them yeah. something of value. And I think that's, that is his, that's something that he has developed, this Start With Why. I think you can look at his website. Um, appeals to a lot of people. It's quite a simple concept. And I tend to find that a lot of those people that I follow or the concepts are quite simple, quite straightforward, and actually yeah. they make it easy to follow. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of good stuff there. Um, but anyway, the notes are on our blog. Uh, there's lots of them. I did try and only show <laughs> put the best. I've even highlighted the best of the best on there. It's, um, it uh, took a while to go through, but it's very, very it's a lot of good value there. I'm just going to dip into our sponsor. Then Catherine will ha will find out a bit more about what you do at Pippin, and then we're going to get into the topic. So our sponsor is TikTok, and it's for any startup or small business who wants to promote themselves online. If you don't know where to start, um, certainly don't know who to trust, or feel you're just too busy running a company to make time for marketing, then uh, TikTok I think is a, a good fit for you. Essentially, what it does is it provides simple tasks that you can act on right away, not adding to your to-do list. Each task includes examples, downloads, or steps needed to complete it, and a nice big button to tick it off when you're done. We've designed TikTok so you can progress from newbie to pro at your own speed, developing confidence as you learn more about each task. There's a 30-day free trial at TikTok.com. Uh, all you need is just your name and email. You don't need to put in a credit card. You can use it completely for free for those 30 days. And then if you like it, pop in your credit card details and you're away. Um, after that, it's only £8 a month. If you're a Something Inventive listener, um, you can just let us know you've signed up by mentioning at Rather Inventive on Twitter or saying something nice about TikTok, and we'll give you another 60 days for free. That's 90 days of TikTok, which I think is pretty awesome. TikTok helps you be the boss of your marketing one task at a time. Go and sign out now at tick-off.com. So, Catherine, you're a copywriter. Mm-hmm. I did call you many other things. What was it? Content marketer. I think there's lots of other names that you could be given for, for what you do. But effectively, you write words yep. and your company is Pippin. Tell me a little bit more about what you do day to day. I work with uh, two groups of people, essentially. I work firstly with marketing agencies. So they might have copywriters in-house or they might not. But um, when they run out of space and time, they just say they come to me and say, can you write this content for this client? And it's fine. And that's what I do. 
And then I also work with small business owners who um, have reached a certain stage in their business where they've either run out of time to be writing their own content or they've now got to a size where they can afford mm-hmm. to employ a copywriter to write the content that um, helps them position their business more effectively and kind of take them to the next level. Um, I particularly specialize in working with um, more technical businesses where the business owners are absolutely fantastic at what they do, but maybe not so great at translating that into the written word. So when you talk to them, they're really engaging and and passionate and it's really exciting listening to them. And then you read the marketing materials and you think, gosh, where did all that passion go? And so I I kind of (laughs) work with them to kind of get, get some of that excitement in there to really kind of help them get their message out there and, and show the difference that their work makes. Good. I think it's something that we value too, because we work with you on a lot of our web projects and you've mm. written some blog, good blog posts for us as well. And certainly in the early days when, when I was really struggling with writing, I mean, I understand the concept, but doing it is hard work, particularly for yourself, exactly as you said, I feel all of that. But I think one of the values you bring to us as a, a web agency and marketing agency is that you, you not only understand the words, but you understand the purpose that we need them for, for the web. And you understand how to implement them. Now, we use WordPress, mm-hmm. and so you understand how WordPress works. You can put the words into WordPress. You can even uh, use um, our Visual Composer, which is what we use for laying out. You can even use that to do a little bit of laying out to help help those words flow better. So the very fact that you can you can take everything from the beginning all the way through to dropping on the website and speaking to our clients on our behalf is awesome, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> And it's, it's really helpful to have someone who understands. So I think that's what you bring to a lot of other companies is the fact that you, you understand that process, you understand some of that pain and you can, you, you're fine with that. You can take that away and you, that's the bit that you like. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's, there's, it's kind of sort of soul destroying if you, if you send somebody some content and because they haven't got the time to do something with that content, it just sits in their email inbox waiting for them to find that few minutes to put it into an email newsletter or add it to the website. So if I can take that task over for them, not only does it help them by taking something off their to-do list, it's also good for me because I get to see my work actually out, out there working rather than just languishing in an inbox somewhere waiting yeah. for somebody else to do something. Do you find that happens a lot? Yeah, because it, you know, what, writing the content is one thing, but if, if you don't update your website very often, um, every time you do it, it becomes a sort of nerve-wracking thing because you've got to mm. teach yourself how the thing works again. And so it becomes a sort of, in your head, it, beca- it takes up so much space and, and you think, oh, I haven't got time to do that now. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Or I've got to get MailChimp to work and I don't really know how to do that. Um, and it just becomes a sort of insurmountable task in your head that mm. is just more problem than it really is. So if you can hand it to somebody else to do it, then why wouldn't you do that? And and I think for you as well, you might be able to generate more momentum with your work because um, if you're able to take on the task of writing and implementing that, then it's easier for them to do that. They're going to see um, results from the, your work more quickly. Yeah, and hopefully, absolutely. Um, uh, commission you to do more work or maybe on a regular basis do more work for you yeah. so you can take more ownership of and, and, and build it up that way rather than just waiting for them to come back to you all the time. I think it's... Um, yeah, Definitely. You're solving a problem for people because I think a lot of copywriters, um, some that we've worked in mainly in the past, they will just do the copy. That's it. That's that's the bit they want to do. They don't want to do anything else, which is fine. I totally understand that. But to be able to look after everything is just it just takes the pain away, really, which, which is quite helpful. Yeah. So thank you, Catherine. Um, so the reason um, you're, you're with us today is um, Al's got a quite an interesting topic and it's quite relevant to what he does. I'm going to let Al talk about that and then, then we'll sort of kick around some of the ideas on that subject. 
Thank you. Yes. So this is something I've had ever since I've been doing websites, which is going back to like maybe last century. And that is that, <laughs> he's um, very old. I <laughs> And, and that is really at some point someone will uh, as a web designer you're trying to put the content in I mean certainly in the older days as the web designer person you'd be doing all the content as well there, there were kind of were no content management systems sort of in the old days e- even now even now I get this thing and, and what it is it's it's someone comes along and and says when you ask them for some content you maybe need to put something on the contact page or something on the home page and as a designer you, you're kind of not really sure what that should be because you don't really know the company as well as the person employing you. Mm. So you maybe approach them and just say, I need something, what shall I put here? Uh, and their response usually is, can you put something like this? And then they'll spiel off, <laughs> some, you know, a phrase or, or maybe just a couple of words. Uh, and, and that's kind of what you've got to work with. And they'll expect so you really to generate just, uh, a lot yes. of uh, a whole strap line out of that or a button Potentially, uh, message. Yeah. Yeah, and really what that's saying is just put something like um, contact us for information on this number. Uh, and so, you know, a lazy, you know, developer or, you know, website um, designer will just take that word for word and put it down. But that, that's not really necessarily the right thing to do. What I'd like, and taking that phrase apart a little bit, when someone says that to you, especially as the business owner or the stakeholder in whatever the project you're working on, when they say, I'll oh, put something like this, what they're doing is they're they're delegating that to you to work out what to put there. Yeah. I mean, I kind of knew it should say something like that in the first place, but I, I wanted to check <laughs> with you you exactly what it should say because this is your business and it's important. Really, it, it says a couple of things. It, it, first off, it says they're delegating. So they're delegating all the responsibility onto me as potentially just the designer of the site mm. um, to come up with good words that are going to get people to do whatever those words are asking them to do. Um, so really, they're saying they can't be bothered with working this out it's it's too difficult for them oh it's too difficult yeah it's just it's over it's yeah. over their head it's like they can't it, comprehend it right now and it is difficult and, and and the idea of you know adding in the content is the easy bit it's completely the opposite of how websites actually are that's the really hard bit it is the hard bit um, yeah it's the bit that takes the longest and most difficult to get anyone to do apart from Catherine and people who enjoy writing copy is it is hard indeed but it's but, seen um, as kind of like sorry go on Catherine the interesting thing is that um so um, we're, we're working together on my website at the moment. And so my entire career, I've kind of talked about clients who the, the, the copy is a problem for them. And um, even when you write the content for them, getting it approved is, is, is often quite hard work because finding the time to proof the content takes time. Mm. What's interesting is that now from the other side, even though it's my website and it's my copy, I'm falling into exactly the same trap and I'm getting really excited about the design and forgetting that there's a load of work that I need to do on the content. <laughs> it <laughs> and is. So that it, I kind of, I understand now where, you know, where my clients are coming from. Well, I was, I was looking at this earlier and thinking it's very much like building a, a house, um, like a website. And so imagine like on Grand Designs where you get to build your own uh, house mm-hmm. so in our in our role in that is like the builder and architect i guess so we've kind of maybe helped you design the house and built the house um, and so absolutely it's really really exciting you know it, it's a new thing that you've envisaged and there it is kind of as real as it's going to ever be <laughs> on as a website um but then yes the content and the words for me are very much like the furniture and the wallpaper inside the house um which you can kind of already see, you know, you've kind of got that vision already, but they're, they're not there yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and get, I guess going back to this whole sort of um, put something um, like 
you know just contact us for more information it is very much like asking your builder to choose the wallpaper or the curtains that you want (laughs) in the building uh, which you wouldn't normally do (laughs) or expect them to come up with anything very good you might it might be good it'd probably be the cheapest you know blandest thing and that's exactly what happens on a lot of sites or has happened on a lot of sites yeah is that by asking your or delegating it to a designer to do they're just going to do the simplest quickest thing that they've done before always done that's on every other site so now, I, uh, a bit like a bit like painting a magnolia i guess i i agree with it i, I remember when we spoke about this a couple of months back because you, you've been harboring this this feeling for a long time out and so it's really good that you brought it out it's really it's good great to get it out it is, it is nice. i feel a, a feel relief because because you 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 point out when i do it <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, <laughs> i don't mean to do that because i think we're having a skype conversation talking about one of the projects and you're saying you just did it you just said you just said exactly that <laughs> like, oh, sorry. yeah and uh, the other thought the other thing so um when someone says that it's like delegating it to them to someone else it's delegated saying yeah, this is it yours is. it is it isn't but also it, it, it also it is a statement that i don't know what it should be i don't know either so you need to decide because I, I don't know and um i think it might be your someone else's job but i i'm not sure it's even my job to decide mm. what this says and i've had that when i used to work in a, in a larger company with people asking them what it should say and, and they don't really know if it's their job to decide what it should say so whose job is it um so it's this kind of i don't know yeah. I don't know, but we need to put something. <laughs> and then occasionally you'll get a slight variation on the just put something like, which is, oh, d- yes, just put something like this. And just adding the word just at the beginning, it, it, to me, it just says, this isn't important. Yeah, this It's the same as can important. you just. I don't even know why you you're just? bothering yeah, asking yeah, me yeah, this. Yeah. It's, it's just important. It's just the contact page. They just want to see a phone number and, and then the, the address. So just put something like that as if it's a throwaway thing. It's not important. Yeah. Don't bother me with this. You come up with something. Um, where, where's that? That's really kind of, again, that is important. You know, it, it can make all the difference. I mean, I've been talking about contact pages and things, but a lot of the time it boils down to things like error messages, mm. which is something most people don't really see and wouldn't be on, you know, mock-ups when you go to a company and say, this is what your website's going to like. And this is what like, the error messages will look Here like. Here are all the error pages. <laughs> yeah. But Although they should, they should so actually. That's, that's not, I mean, we were talking about setting up default content for our template. And actually, it would be good to include default error pages in there as well. So just, these are the, these are the very default. So if you don't make a decision, this is what's going to be, unless yeah. we have any further thought on that. A good error page is, as it were, is um is a really great thing. And you, when people have really thought about it, and I think that the Twitter error page is is really great. It was oops, something went wrong, or Mailchimp's is oops, something went wrong, and it's just it's nice and it reinforces the brand, even though mm. something's gone wrong. Mm. Yeah, it does give you a, a flavour of the personality and character of the site. You're absolutely Definitely. right. That wasn't written by a website programmer. Yeah, that was written no. by a copywriter. Do you think? I think that that some some website programmers might have a um, some humour, an interesting character to them well they might put something like that it does, it does depend on it but yeah i mean i don't want to paint everyone with the same brush of course and i think yeah absolutely some some would um but it depends who it is who it is working for you they they might not and um i mean how many error messages do you see if something just goes really badly wrong like say you enter something you know that isn't an email address into the email address yeah. field and it comes back uh, how often is that message really very coherent not always yeah 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 and, and you you need the kind of the insider knowledge to know what it is that they're actually saying rather than Somebody, somebody, somebody coming with no knowledge about programming or, or coding or anything, being able to go, oh, I see what I did wrong. And actually, that mm. reminds me of a good book that I think you have, Al, actually, and I need to read, read it again. It's by 37 Signals. I think it's one of their first books. Have you having a look for it? Um, I, and yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's basically about, it's essentially 
copy on websites. Now, not not large amounts of copy, but it's error messages, statements, forms. It's really looking at the detail where people run into trouble. Exactly what you're yeah. saying, Al. Um, mm. And actually, that that be if you can find it, that'd be worth a read again because I think that's some good, good, really good, simple ideas that still hold true. I mean, it doesn't. It's not no different now than it was uh, when they wrote it. Um, just coming back to what you're saying, I, I, and I, I totally understand. I, I totally get where you're coming from because get, I get that too when people are speaking to me. They're just like, well, can you just sort it out? Now, there's different ways of looking at it. I could, we, could, uh, we could push back and say, no, um, no, you've got to do it. Um, we could work with the client and say, I understand this. it's a really difficult thing, so let's educate you. Let's go through the process together and, and, and see if we can work it out together. Or we just say, yeah, we'll sort it. You, know, what, you just give us all the stuff and we will figure out the problem. Now, I, I don't really like either one, either end of that. I don't like just pushing mm-hmm. it back to the client and saying, you deal with it. Totally fine. I think you, you can do that, but I don't like that. And I don't like that we will take it all on because I don't think we can get that right um, without spending a lot of time on it and really understanding exactly where the client is at, which is possible, but you, you, mm. that, that, that isn't ideal. I think the best is almost that we can work with the client to try and educate them and say, well, let's have a look at this from, from a client's point of view when they approach this as an issue what do they want to achieve out of this whether it's um the next stage do i call do i fill out the form what's the best what's the best thing to do or if it's an error that comes up what would you likely do if you came across this error on a web page what's the right thing to do is it good to have a a picture of someone dancing you know falling over and saying oops the the website's (laughs) broken but it doesn't matter give it five minutes or click here and we'll, we'll fix that for you or um you know or something else or something more straightforward because actually you if it's an important website and your audience isn't going to like fun when when it breaks then you've got to treat it in the right way and say look this is serious we, it's not your fault it's totally ours it's under our control we're already investigating that sort of thing um where do you sit on that Catherine? where do you think the responsibility lies on on that side of things i think it's it, i understand exactly where you're coming from because you want to say it is the client's responsibility because as you say they know the business um and in, in, if they were hiring me as a copywriter then that would be my job to write those error messages and, and do something like that i think in many ways you can sort of see it as a compliment if, if people are saying to you could you just do something like that it means that they trust you and they trust your ability to do it because if they didn't <laughs> think that you'd do a halfway decent job they wouldn't say could you just do this they'll say i'll come back to you tomorrow when i've thought about this okay. <laughs> i hadn't so, looked at it from that angle that's interesting <laughs> But from your point of view, I know that's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> I often feel the burden of responsibility then uh, because I'm making a lot of decisions that I don't think I should be making. And I've done that uh, yeah. all the time. If I was to go and get kind of approval on every single thing that someone might see on the site, it'd be so stop start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and annoying from their point of view yeah. because they've, they've handed something over to you and you're always, you're, from their point of view, you're coming back every five minutes going, oh, could you just think about this sentence that's got to go here? So it's it's a really hard balance to strike. Mm-hmm. I think the way, the way you do it, and we did talk about this the other day, but I think the way you do it is is great. You you, you know, if, if either Catherine's managing the content, but if there's anything else that needs doing, you can just put a filler in there. It needs to say something like this. So let me put something like this in there. And then if it really needs pushing forward, then, then Catherine can rewrite it with, with the client and Catherine can work on that. Or we can I can talk to the client next time we have an update session and you can go through it with them. I think making decisions on, on the client's behalf, unless they've explicitly said not to, I, I think is actually quite welcome from a lot of clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, um, and, and sometimes it's very difficult. I was, I was building a single page, just a holding page, a very quick holding page. They just needed something up and running. So let's just, they had a PowerPoint. That's all I had. Let's just 
let's just do it. And bearing in mind, I don't actually build that many websites. So that was quite interesting. I just thought I'd <laughs> give this one a go because Owls are very busy. And it was great because I just made a judgment call as to what I thought it should be. We put that up and then we had a, a little a few, bit of a discussion to just move things around. And I think what was valuable for them is they couldn't see exactly what it is. So they couldn't have said, right, logo at the top, then the statement, then this bit of paragraph, then this image. They couldn't do that because... Yeah. Well, they, they could have done it, but it's difficult for them to see it in reality on the page. Whereas I can do that. I can make a guess at what I think yeah, it should yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they can actually see something on the page that's real and that they can then move around. And I, thought, I think they felt that was a lot easier. But here's an interesting question. Are the clients always the best people to sign off content and copy? Because they know more about their product and services than anyone else on the planet, potentially. And I often feel that things make sense to them yeah. that wouldn't make sense to anyone else. And sometimes as a designer, you have to be a sounding board and say, Do you know, I don't know what this means. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and I've built the site and I should probably should know. It's, it's a bit impolite, I guess, mm -hmm. for the designer. Again, I'm taking on almost a copywriting role a little bit, I suppose, in saying, I don't think this is this reads very well. You know, I, I don't know what that means. I don't know what, you know, that product number means or that technology means yeah so i, mean, I guess catherine that that is your uh, from your point of view you are that sort of third party definitely and i think that's the biggest values of hiring an outside copywriter is you do get that outsider's viewpoint that says i know you've been using that jargon for 10 years but the thing is i don't nobody understands that unless you're working in that business and, and you, you you can be that outside sounding board as you say you need to have more knowledge of your business than most of your customers will do to be able to understand that Thing you're trying to say there and and that's and having that people saying yes you're absolutely right and when they stop and think about it they realize that, that that's absolutely true but because they're just it's just shorthand within their business they've never stopped and thought about it yeah yeah totally true and actually in, the, in that sense so so if we're looking at a typical project at the moment the client's involved they've got mm. a lot they you know they've got good um knowledge of their domain we're involved we've got good knowledge of our domain but not necessarily there so we understand how that how we can bridge the gap between what they're trying to put across and obviously the the copywriting i'd lump that in with the the, the web development the design development and copywriting yeah. but also should we include the customer in this the ultimate customer their their client their audience it, i mean it's not something we we do do it a little bit and sometimes we'll ask clients to go live on a website but not tell anyone about it and then share that with a few of their customers or share yeah. our staging site with some of their customers to get their feedback. It's not something we've built into our process as, as part of, of what we do, but do you think there's value in that as actually making that part of the process that really we're not going to get sign-off by our client, we're going to get sign-off by their client, their customer? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think it's a it's a really important part of the process, isn't it, is, get, is getting that feedback from the people who you're trying to speak to saying you know does this does this work for you does this are you encouraged to get in touch or, or do whatever it is that the website wants you to do it's yeah it's the it's a really interesting thing isn't it because you kind of when you're creating a website it's like it's your little the baby that you're creating and yeah. you don't really want to show it to anybody until mm. you're absolutely delighted with it and you mm. send it out into the world and say here is our new website Whereas what you really should be doing is is sharing it with your customers much earlier on in the journey, saying, is this going in the right direction? Are we thinking along the right lines? What questions would you have when you come to our website? But that's a really, that's a scary thing to do. Yeah. What's the forum for doing that other than, uh, I mean, there's no, I mean, with usability, you can, you can kind of, you know, employ a usability uh, company who will go and, you know, get a good demographic of people and test your systems or sites and get back to you with, you know, how they work functionally. 
is there is there a similar kind of system for getting other than contacting your exact clients which might be awkward yeah is there is there a way is there some sort of facility for, or, or um i don't know company that manages how people react to copy i don't know i don't know i don't know well there we are there's a gap in the market there is an there. interesting thing to it. <laughs> There is something I saw, it's mainly for the design phase of a website or an ad campaign, where you could up, I can't remember what it's called for the life of me now, but you could upload a design to their service with a question. So you needed the people looking at it to find out something. So it's, tell me what the price of the product is, or can you find out this particular bit of information? I think they were giving a time limit as well, perhaps a five to 10 seconds to find that information out. And so that would be, you'd publish it up, it's pushed out to thousands of people maybe, or hundreds of people, I guess there's a a fee involved somewhere. And then um, those people would get paid a small amount just to go and give their opinion when it it flashes up, what do they think? But I believe that was a static image. There must be something on the web to do this. Yeah, yeah. It's almost bringing them in as part of the process though, so not at the end or when we've designed things, but all the way through. Mm. And we do do that a little bit. Sometimes we've we've got a small server, which is sometimes sent out to um, customers, customers, which ask them basically what do they like about the current site? What don't they like? What what more do they want? Basically, essentially those questions. Mm. And also we, we get in there a question about um, that basically gets a testimonial out of them. Like, how would you describe this company to your friends or colleagues? And that can be useful to build up copy. We don't do that in every case. And I th- what we don't do is follow up with the customers who do reply and try and keep them on board throughout the process, because I think that would be quite interesting to actually incorporate them. Yeah, 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 yeah. It asks a lot of customers, unless they're getting something out of it, I suppose. You might get some very yeah, motivated customers, but normally they're busy doing their own things, aren't they? To you know, yeah. If it's something they're doing out of a kindness, that's only going to attract a certain sort of person. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe they're going to only say good things about it anyway. They'll go, whatever you do is brilliant. And that's, that's you don't want that. You say, yeah. no, be critical. I want the... <laughs> Yeah, I want the ugly, not just yeah. good. Yeah. From our client's point of view, it's a really great way to build closer relationships with their customers by saying, we value your opinion, come on board with us as we develop our website. Mm. But you're right, Al, from that customer's point of view, it's it's actually I've got my own business to be getting on with. I haven't got time <laughs> to start, you know, getting involved mm. in your your website. Yeah. There's a seed of an idea there, though. I like, I like um, mm-hmm. it's, it's probably something we could do more of without... Um, uh, abusing customers time too much it does depend on the size of the client as well i mean if you're you know the, the budget's low and the time scale is short there just isn't time to go and do all these things mm. i mean on big on bigger scale projects you know for big blue chip companies yes i'm sure you know they have a literally a room full of people all in experts in the different fields <laughs> com- yeah. you know combining to get it the, the finished product but for smaller companies they just have the time i'm not trying to be patronizing but there's no time or money there to do yeah. all these studies and things so i guess you're right what you're saying earlier Catherine. they just have to trust you mm-hmm. that your judgment is right and that's ultimately what they're paying for is i guess your your judgment yeah um Catherine, you brought um uh, a few questions that clients might ask you so uh, maybe you can just pick a few of those that we, we should go through what what are yes. the most what are the most common ones do you get one of the questions I most often get asked from people who just want to sort of pick my brains because they're thinking about writing their own copy is talking about SEO and getting a web copy that is SEO friendly. And they know that SEO is a thing that they've got to think about. Mm. From my point of view as a copywriter, it's a much more complicated area than it used to be because it did all just used to be about keywords on a page. And as long as you hit a certain number of keywords, it was, it was basically OK. And the web was a lot smaller place and the competition was a lot less fierce and so it was a it was a sort of different kettle of fish to what it is today when you've got to think about 
your social media and, and your content marketing and everything that goes around that. So my advice tends to be along the lines of, yes, do your research and find out what keywords people are searching for. And again, that's a, that's a time for you to include your customers and say, if you were searching for my company, if you were searching for a company like mine on the web, what would you be typing in to find it? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I, I tend to say is that if you are talking to your customer and thinking about your customer when you're writing, you are going to be writing SEO-friendly copy anyway, because you will be including the things that they're thinking about and the words that they'll be using. So it becomes, rather than it being an exercise of, I've got to include this keyword 10 times on this page, you're including it naturally anyway, because you're you're talking to your customer and you're using the words that they use. So it's... Yeah, I'd agree I with that. I definitely think yeah. you need to, it's something that you need to think about, but it's not something that you need to get hung up on these days. It's the content on the page is part of a much bigger strategy that you need to be thinking about. So in many ways, it's more complicated, but right at the start when you're writing the content, it's much less fraught than it used to be, I think. Yeah, I think thankfully the copy is more important than it used to be, so that's good. I think the uh, the one of the benefits of thinking in advance and researching the keywords is to make sure that um, all of the bases are covered in terms of page content. So if you if you need to tackle five different keywords or key phrases, that we make sure we've got pages specifically for those and yeah. we've got a, some strategy for the blog or ongoing content around that. But but you're right, you know, really over that, it's if you're writing well, good cop- good copy, then it's, it should it should naturally be search optimized. Yeah. That's good. Um, do you have another one? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, it, um, the, yeah, the other question um, is is the kind of the question of what information should I include on my website? <laughs> and it, it, that kind of where do I even start about putting my company online? It seems like there's a theme developing here. It's it's it is thinking about your customer again and saying there's loads of things that we could have on our website, but what is it that customers really need? Um, mm. And and the starting point needs to be what will my customers want to get out of my website and then and take it from there as to the information that you include and the way that you structure the information on the website so the the big questions are being answered first and there is sort of backup information deeper into the website if people are going to need it but what's your thought on how much should if if you have so if we are building a, a site currently which where the client doesn't feel that they um, want everything on the site whereas we're we, mm-hmm. we're of the feeling that actually a lot of it can be put on the site even if it's not front facing and, and, and immediately obvious it's there and can be clicked through to yeah i think they they were under the impression that it might swamp the site it might make the menu yeah. too heavy and and too yeah, much but yeah. so what's your feeling would you would rather have more information up there but have it tucked away in the right place i think that's exactly right you should include as much information as you possibly can on your website the key is to structure it properly so that the information is there if people want to search for it but you don't just give them an enormous menu with 15 20 25 menu items on it for people to just panic about and think i don't even know where to start so you you need to kind of guide the journey but there's a way of structuring it to keep as much information as, as you can on there so that the people that want to explore it can. And then if people are detail focused, then all of that detail is there. And if they're not, then the big questions are answered right up front on the main pages and then they can get in touch and find out more. Mm. No, exactly. Yeah, it is, is, is difficult to know what to include. And I think um, as much as you need to um, allow your customer to understand what you do and, and know more and then take action. I think we've got to wind it up there. 
that's a pretty good conversation. I, I, I really like diving into content um, because it's something I, I do appreciate, but, but never get enough time to really look into myself. So I do appreciate um, <laughs> help from you, Catherine, on that. And, and you, Al, when I ask you, can you just put something like this in the book? I want the exact <laughs> phrase or uh, I will not do it. I, I, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you'll only work for that now. Um, I, I do find myself holding back when I'm thinking that. No, no. Don't put that. I, I must say also, Ben, um, I'm quite a rare breed in that I can do programming and I've also got quite good eye for bad spelling. And um, <laughs> with that, again, I don't want to paint broad, broad brushstrokes of um, developers, but you do see uh, uh, you know, error messages and other things sometimes um, not the greatest spelling. Yeah. And that is so important. I'm a real stickler for good spelling. When I see things spelt wrong, I will take a screenshot and send it to the company and say, you've, you've spelt this wrong and it just looks... It just makes you look amateur. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I saw this this is advert on a really prominent plugin that I saw, and they'd spelt this would really get you back up here, Catherine. They spelt losing with two O's, so it was loosing, <laughs> right? And I so I took a screenshot of this and I sent it. I emailed them, and they emailed back saying we've had a lot of people email us with this. <laughs> so clearly, it is it's a thing that people spot, and it can do a massive amount of damage. Actually, Absolutely. you don't know how to spell. Yeah, yeah. A word, a, a simple word, it just really say much about you, does it? So, yeah, yes, it just says that you don't care and and you haven't checked something, and you think, well, if you yeah. haven't checked that, what else aren't you checking? And yeah. can I mm. trust you with my business? Yeah, I know it's so, such it's tiny true. things that make really big like waterfall changes in someone's perception. I think, yeah. There's actually a, a, a really, I, I don't know if I should mention this, Catherine. You know, tell me and we'll cut it out. <laughs> um, but there's a really good tool that I've been using um, with with my spelling, just to prove. Just a, it's just a quick proof, really, to make sure there's yeah. no spelling errors. I mean, there's a difference between just catching spelling and making sure it's written correctly and it, and it flows well. You know, I think that's where yeah. you really come into your own. And it's called Grammarly. Have you heard of that? I've heard of it. I've never investigated it, though, yeah. It's actually quite good. It's, um, it's quite interesting as well how, how it came about and how it's been advertised. But it's quite a useful tool. It'll actually sit in your browser as a plugin, as an extension in Safari. And it'll be um, checking a lot of any text fields that you're typing in. So if you're just typing in and you're filling out a form for, I don't know, CV or something like that online, and it'll yeah. start checking it in there. Um, in WordPress, oh, cool. it actually will spell check the, the main WordPress content window. And it's really good at just catching stupid mistakes. So it's not going to rewrite your copy for you. It's not going to make you sound amazing. But what it will do is hopefully prevent you from being uh, looking like a fool. So I'll put, yeah. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. It's quite a nice uh, tool. And it's, there's a free version, which is pretty good. Um, right, yeah. we've got to, we have to wrap it up. Um, I do appreciate your time, Catherine. Uh, it's really good to have you and, and to talk about this. And, you know, it's, it is a pleasure to work with you. We, we all get on pretty well. And, um, you know, projects are, are good fun together. Yeah, thank you. That's okay. It's well, yeah. Where can we find you online? Where's the best place to go and find out more about Catherine? Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at, um, at Catherine Avery. My website is hellopippin.co.uk. Don't go to it now. Go to it in a few weeks' time when the new website is live. Soon to become super amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're doing some good stuff on there. Really, really interesting stuff on, on that. I think it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work really well. Cool. Thank you. I'll make sure those are linked. And you can catch me on Twitter at Ben Kinnaird. And Al is at Inventive Al. Um, just finally, the sponsor was ticked off. You can go to ticked-off.com and sign up. You get 30 days for free. And if you mention an um, at Rather Inventive or me at Ben Kinnaird or even Al or just say something nice about ticked off on Twitter, then we'll give you another 60 days free. Cool. Really good talking to you guys. Thanks very much. Have a super Friday and we'll speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.